everyone, and welcome to Navigating Our Roots a través de nuestras cicatrices. I'm your show host, Lorelei Flores Gonzalez. And in today's episode, I will be going solo for the very first time. But I'm super excited, and I hope that you guys enjoy. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, thank you so much for giving me a chance. And if this is not your first time, thank you for coming back. I really appreciate it. Today's episode is titled Dentro de esta gran nación, which is Spanish for inside this great nation. And the reason why I chose to write it in Spanish is because I'm referencing a song by Los Tigres del Norte titled La Jaula de Oro or The Golden Cage. And they have a verse in which they say, ¿De qué me sirve el dinero si estoy como prisionero dentro de esta gran nación? Cuando me acuerdo hasta lloro, aunque la jaula sea de oro, no deja de ser prisión. Which is very intense, and I'm going to translate it. It's, what use does money have if I'm like a prisoner inside of this great nation? When I remember, I almost cry, and even though the cage is made of gold, it does not stop being a prison. I feel like they did a wonderful job of expressing the emotions and the feelings of immigrants and especially undocumented immigrants who feel as though even though they want to go back home, they can't for whatever myriad of reasons. There's so many. I just feel like they're kind of stuck. And I don't want anybody to think like, oh my gosh, she's trashing the United States. She's such a hater. No, I acknowledge the fact that I'm very privileged to be born in the United States. And I acknowledge that the United States brings so many great opportunities for immigrants and room for growth. And it's much safer than like many immigrants home countries and I acknowledge that but it's also important to acknowledge the other side which just goes to show that like even though you're part of such a a, go- a great country like that doesn't mean there isn't struggles and there isn't bad experiences and there isn't xenophobia and racism and it's important that we also acknowledge that again I acknowledge my privilege as a citizen of the United States this does not mean that I haven't had my own experiences First, like, trigger warning, like, I'll definitely be talking about, like, slurs against Latin Americans and just very triggering stuff, um, which is the reason why I wanted to go solo on this episode because it's very deep and I'm very bad at advocating for myself and for my emotions and I get embarrassed, so I I felt like this was something that I needed to do on my own and that's what this episode will be. I want to start out by talking about my experiences as a Latin American woman. This is like the clearest example of what I'm gonna be speaking about. My first year in middle school, which seemed threatening all on its own. And at this time, this was like when elections were happening or people were like running for for president and Mitt Romney was running against Barack Obama and like, as a child, you don't really be, you're not really thinking about politics. Like, you're not sitting there and thinking, I want my parents to vote for this person because they're da 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 da. Like, no, you're a freaking child. Like, unless you're like r- into that, you're not really talking about politics 
as a 10 year old like be so frail so i remember i did not know about a lot of the issues i didn't know any of that and this was the first time that i was like aware of the fact that like people did not want me in the united states and i remember speaking to one of my friends and she was telling me how she overheard her parents talking about Mitt Romney and how he was such like a huge racist and how she was scared he was gonna be president and he was gonna beat Barack Obama and I was like confused because I'm like oh like I don't know like I don't know what's happening I don't know (laughs) I don't understand politics I don't care as a 10 year old that was my mentality and we were talking about Mitt Romney and and his presidential run, and his politics, and his beliefs, and his standpoints, and viewpoints, and it was a very interesting conversation, and I remember that same day, we were in the lunchroom, and we were walking on our way to the table, and she says something about, like, oh yeah, and he would call us anchor babies, And I was like, what? What's an anchor baby? And ever since I heard it, it stuck with me. An anchor baby is any child of an immigrant born in the United States to quote-unquote illegal parents. I remember when she explained it, it felt like just my body go cold. Because that was when I realized, oh, like, we're not wanted and ever since then i realized how my existence in and of itself is political how no matter where i go and how far i make it in life i will always feel a step behind everybody else i'm very very privileged in my experiences and i know that but now i live with this understanding of the world and of american society and of the fact that i will never be qualified as a full real american unless it fits people's narratives of what they want me to be and what i mean by that is that ever since i heard that term and i became aware of that i knew that in every room that i walked into or like in any academic setting or in any setting where I will always be the minority I would always feel and be behind everyone else and I sympathize a lot with immigrants who have that first-hand experience because I bet that their experience is even more alienating than mine because they're actively sought out for being undocumented. And I have the privilege of being documented, and I, I understand that. I knew that my being, my existing, would be political no matter where I went. And even now, as a 20-year-old, I will walk into rooms and make myself smaller so that I will fit in, so that I will be accepted, so that I will be the perfect image of the perfect daughter of immigrants and the perfect academic and the perfect person who overcame adversity. I've never really realized 
how much this takes away from me being me. It wasn't until that, that lunch in the sixth grade that I realized how little I knew of the world. And what's interesting is that even now, if I walk into a room and I'm the only person of color, I will silence myself. And of course, I'm a very shy person overall, but I will overanalyze everything a thousand times more than I generally would. And part of this has to do with the fact that I overanalyze my experiences because of the fact that I'm a person of color. I have tan skin and brown eyes and very poofy hair, um, frizzy, like, you can tell there's a little, you can tell there's ethnic in me, like, you can tell, um, and most of the time people, like, they'll start talking to me in Spanish, I quote-unquote look Latina, um, if I'm invited to lunches or dinners or award ceremonies, I immediately feel off, because one, I have never seen people like me in those positions, and two, if I have seen people like me in those positions, they tend to be lighter skinned, they tend to have money, or they tend to already have connections. And me personally, I come from a low-income family. I, I don't have a lighter skin tone. Previously, before attending college, I had no connections. It was literally just me, myself, and I, and it was so alienating and so lonely, and I took comfort in the fact that there is a lot of other Latinos like me, and I prayed and I hoped that perhaps they felt the same as I did, that they would feel that feeling of always being a step behind. Sometimes when I talk to other Latino students, um, I'll never outright ask them, like, do you ever feel like you're a step be behind everybody else? But I'll observe them, and there's so many people who are so comfortable in their skin and in their experiences and in their space where it seems like they don't feel that way. And... I'm working on getting there, but it's lonely and alienating and sad, and it overpowers me. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before, but I live about 40 minutes from campus, and every Thursday nights, I go back home so that I can work at my job 40 minutes from here, and I'll come back Sunday nights. And this is just, this has been my routine ever since I came to UNC Charlotte. And a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to my mom and I was crying because I felt, I was scared and I was terrified and I was so lost in what I wanted to do. And I told her, like, I want to do an internship, but I don't know if all of the internships here are, like, closed or they're for business students and I'm not a business student and... I was like, I'm tired of coming to work 40 minutes from campus. I want to be on campus and I want to explore my opportunities on campus, but I don't have the money to do that. Like, I need to work. And if I leave my job, they nobody will ever pay me and I have to start from zero again. And I don't want to. I asked her, what would you do if you were in my place? And initially, when I first asked her, she said, I don't know, that's for you to decide. And when I heard that, I felt my heart break into like five different pieces because I thought that she just 
didn't care that she thought that I was overthinking it and my emotions were too intense for a situation so small. And then when I brought it up to her again, when I was having this like breakdown, um, she said, I wish that I could tell you, but I have never been in that spot. And I don't want to tell you something that'll mess your career up. And both of us, we were silent for like a good, a good two minutes. Um, and I started crying even more. And I was like, oh my God, like the reason she didn't give me advice was not because she didn't care about how I was feeling. It was because she doesn't understand my experience. And then that broke my heart all over again. It broke my heart to know that she couldn't help me and that she was aware of that and that she felt like her advice wouldn't be adequate enough because she's never been a college student and that was another moment where i was like wow i can't be the only one going through this i don't know who to turn to like i don't know what it is about moms but they just know and it broke my heart to know that in this case she didn't know and I had to figure it out by myself. And again, I realized how these things that come so easily to everybody else don't come as easily to me. And I have to double think and and triple check that everything, every single decision I make about my career is solid and it's the right one. I cannot afford to make a mistake. Literally and, and metaphorically, like, I cannot afford to make a mistake so again that's another way that i have felt like inadequate and lonely and thankfully i've won a couple of scholarships and i'm really proud of myself and i feel more i feel lighter i feel more at ease i feel like everything is finally coming together for me and i'm i'm proud of myself being a latina on campus is odd I won't sit here and say that I don't have good moments because I do. I love my time at UNC Charlotte. I'm so lucky to be where I am. And it's not like I walk through campus feeling these things all the time. It's just every so often I'll be in a room and I'll realize how much I don't fit in. How there's like a sheet separating me and everybody else and... I feel like sometimes I get in my own head about that, or I feel like everybody notices how I feel like I don't fit in, and it's sad, and it's lonely, and it's scary, especially as a junior. I feel like I've really come out of my my shell and my comfort zone, and I'm pushing myself to new limits, but it, I feel like it's not enough. I feel like I'm stuck. And I can't take solace in the fact that I'm Latina or that I'm Mexican or that I'm American because there's a sheet between the two worlds. As a Mexican woman, the first time that I felt like I did not belong or fall under the Mexican label was at my job. And if you don't know, I work at a Walgreens, which is like a pharmacy chain. And I'm a cashier and I recently got promoted um, not recently, about a year ago, I got promoted to also work in the pharmacy, um, and this is mainly because of the fact that I'm bilingual, so they'll call me over in the pharmacy, and they'll be like, hey, can you translate for this customer, and 
I'll translate, and I, for the most part, I do a great job. But every so often, customers will come up to me and they'll talk to me in Spanish, and I lose my train of thought. I get so anxious around customers or people who speak perfect Spanish. I also get paranoid at the fact that my Spanish is not as good as a lot of other Latinos. And I mentioned this very briefly in the last episode titled Yo No Sabo, um, in which I discuss No Sabo kids and their experience and why it's so important to protect them and guide them and help them to feel like they belong in their own community. And even though I'm not technically considered a No Sabo kid, I grew up briefly in Mexico and Even though I have that with me and I know that I know Spanish, I still get scared. I get paranoid and I get afraid. And whenever somebody comes up to me and they're speaking to me in Spanish, I, my mind it immediately goes blank. I feel like I'm not Mexican enough. I feel like people can see right through me and they know that I'm an imposter and I'm not, I'm not really Mexican because I don't speak the perfect Spanish. And another phenomenon that has been bothering me for a while, I actually encountered this on social media where there was this guy who, who's bilingual on TikTok and he'll make TikToks in English and in Spanish. And his name is Jesus Sauvedo, but a lot of people know him as La Comadre. And he makes a ton of funny TikToks. And I remember he was, like, making... His his content is very lighthearted. And I remember somebody pointing out to him, Your Spanish is so bad. You're a no sabo kid. You have Spanish del rancho. And, you know, that translates to, Your Spanish is so bad. You're a no sabo kid. Your Spanish is from the quote-unquote small farm. Which, um, a rancho in Mexico, they tend to be owned by, like, people with money um but the people who work in ranchos tend to be like quote-unquote uneducated and they tend to do like all of the manual labor for the rich people it's kind of like a very classist statement to make and I remember when I read that like I was so hurt and so like offended because I spoke the same way that he spoke and it really damaged my perception of myself and it damaged my identity because I realized that I, even though I'm Mexican and I speak the language and I have the tan skin and the brown hair and the brown eyes and I can read Spanish and I can write it and all of that, it will never be enough to make people consider me fully Mexican. I will always be American to them. And then on the other hand, in the United States, I will always be an anchor baby. When people look at me, I will be less than. And so it's this dichotomy of not knowing where I stand. There was a period of time, I don't know how to word this without sounding like I don't claim either identity. Because at the end of the day, I am... Mexican-American. I am both Mexican and American, but this doesn't mean that I don't struggle to claim those and to make space for my identities. 
I guess the best way to say it is that there was a a period of time where I felt like I had to I felt like I had to be the perfect image for everybody to accept me. I had to be proud of my Mexican heritage, which I am, and also proud of my American heritage and proud enough to know when not to mention my Mexican heritage and proud enough to know how privileged I was that I was born in the United States and how my experiences will never be the same to those of immigrants and how I'm American enough. I have to prove that and I have to be sure of it because the second I show that I am not sure of my identity as an American woman, it's like everything crumbles. Another thing that kind of bothers me a little bit and that that confuses me is how... My family members, I've noticed, they praise me for being, you know, like the first in my family to attend a university. I'm going to be the first in my family with a bachelor's degree. They're very much proud of that. But there's also like a barrier of like, oh, you're acting white now. And that's also affected the way I see myself and my stance and my place as a Mexican woman because... I don't want to lose the part of me that makes me Mexican. I don't want to lose that. I'm just at odds most of the time. I am lost and ashamed and unsure of who I am. And it's so scary because I'm I'm a grown woman now. And I feel like everybody knows who they are. And, and I'm at odds fighting my identities. I'm at odds wondering whether I am enough for myself and to myself and for my identities and to my identities. I'm I'm always fighting a battle between the two because I don't want Americans to underestimate my intelligence. I don't want them to look at me stuttering my words or not being able to pronounce English vocabulary and make fun of me. Again, I acknowledge my privilege, but my identity is my identity and I think it's time to be able to give ourselves the chance to accept that and understand that and explore the fact that we aren't just half of an identity. We have a full identity and it's scary and it's sad and it's irritating because you constantly have to prove yourself to both sides and you have to change and morph yourself to fit these two identities. And I feel like both of my identities are are different. They're different, and I feel like the mold of what I'm supposed to be is broken. Like, I guess this episode doesn't really have any suggestions on how to improve this. It's a battle within ourselves. It's something we must learn to navigate and accept and, and fix ourselves. We have to remold ourselves into somebody that we're proud of, into somebody that feels like us. And I'll figure out how to succeed and understand and accept both of my identities. And I think that's really all we can do. I know this this episode got a little bit deep and intense. And I don't think I'm the only one out there that feels this way. There's so many people out there. And if just one person is able to resonate... I'll be proud of myself. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I hope that you come back and tune in for the next one. This has been Navigating Our Roots, A Través de Nuestras Cicatrices.
as always, please remember that you matter and that you belong. Thank you so much.